Welcome to PJ's podcast, where we speak of the three things that matter, politics, Jesus, and sports. On today's show, we discuss AI in the medical field with Dr. Mitchell. Chicago gets overrun by teens rioting once again, and is the Pac-12 dead? Find out on today's show. Mont, you ready? Yeah, man, let's get it. Boots and cats and boots and cats and boots and cats, PJ's podcast. All right, so today on the show, we have our special guest, Dr. Mitchell. What's going on, Doc? Not much, fellas. How's it going? Well, it only took me two takes on the intro, so I'm doing all right. Sometimes it takes me three. I'm good. I'm good. What's going on with you? <laughs> oh, not much, man. Did, did you ever hold on? Did you ever like watch? Did you ever see like uh, like back in the day like clips of the Brady Bunch in the, yeah. the intro and like it's like they're all around and they're all. Well, that's like, what I was thinking about like, too. Like, that's why I just looked yeah. up to you guys. Yeah, it, no. That, when you looked up at us, that's what hit me. I was like, oh, it's, we're we're three people of the Brady Bunch. Does it look like a? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Oh man. Oh man. Okay. Tonight's been a mess. All right, let's let's get into it. So. The reason we uh, brought Dr. Mitchell on the show is we wanted to discuss AI in the medical field, right? Monty and I have talked about AI over and over again on the show, and there's certain industries that we've discussed that we think AI is going to have more of effect on than others, right? And you know, one of the the areas we said was uh, the law firms. The AI is going to affect paralegals. Right. Um, there's just a, a whole slew of industries that I really think it's going to make a massive impact in, but it's also going to take away jobs. And the medical field is one of those fields that I don't know that much about, but it seems like to me that AI is going to have a major effect in, uh, not just in taking jobs away, but potentially increasing right? The health of others or being able to detect uh, things at a greater scale or a more precise scale. Uh, but I also think that it could potentially take jobs away from people in the medical field. And, you know, you being a physician dealing with all this and, you know, running a hospital, seeing which, you know, which jobs you think AI has a potential to make an impact in. I wanted to get you on. I wanted to get your take on AI in the medical field, what's it going to help? What's it going to hurt? All right. Well, that was a, I mean, that was a good intro because, you know, AI is, it's a technology and, you know, that's sort of what technologies do and technologies have done throughout history is, you know, they've made certain things better or easier or safer and displaced other things in their path. And sometimes that uh, means that they, it displaces jobs and that's just kind of the nature of it. Um, and so medicine's not going to be spared. Uh, it's going to have a place for AI for sure. Um, and you know what that future is going to look like. It's anybody's guess. Um, but I think we in the medical field need to, have our patient's best interest in mind. And I think that's kind of my thought uh, that 
sort of guides how I feel about AI in medicine is that ultimately medicine is to make people better and it's not to give people jobs. There are great jobs in medicine. There are very fulfilling jobs in medicine. Um, you know, hospitals full of very hardworking um, and talented people that are doing good for other people and they're also making a good living doing it. Um, but that is secondary and that's because medicine is so important and we put a lot of, um, we put a lot of stock into how well someone is, is going to be treated um, when they're in the hospital or they're in a clinic. And, you know, that's why, um, you know, it takes a lot to become a nurse. It takes a lot to become a doctor. Um, and those are good paying jobs because as a, as a society, we value them very highly because we think that, you know, someone's health and well-being is very important. Um, and so when you talk about AI, I think that needs to be the overarching theme is, is it going to improve the health of others? And I think if it does, then we shouldn't be resistant to allowing AI to improve um, certain aspects of medicine just because it may displace jobs. <clears throat> eventually, there's going to be lots and lots of jobs that are displaced by AI. Um, eventually, doctors may be displaced by AI. Um, you know, I don't know the, the, what it's going to look like in the end, but um, there's certainly a place for it. I mean, right now, radiology is one of those areas where it seems like maybe the kind of the area that AI takes a hold of earlier. And it sort of makes sense when you think about it. It's, it's looking at images. It's not direct patient care. It's not, you know, being able to have to talk to patients and, and get information from them. It's, it is data in the form of images that is being looked at by an artificial intelligence, whereas it's normally data that's being looked at by a radiologist. Um, and so there's been some recent studies that that certain uh, image modalities and, and certain cancers and things like that, that AI does a better job of, of uh, finding than a radiologist does. Yeah, there was a there was a study that came out that it was like it was quite a bit more effective, right? Like the if I'm not mistaken, there's something that you're looking for in a lot of these images or spots or something mm -hmm. along those lines, and AI was picking picking up those spots at such a higher rate, yep. right? And I can I can 100 understand what you're saying. That makes the way you phrased it was perfect, right? The medical field should be about bringing, you know, better treatment, better health to, to those who come in, right? So it's hard to look at it from the lens of, yeah, it's going to take away jobs, but at the end of the day, right, your job is to be effective for people that are unhealthy. Mm -hmm. If AI does that, we shouldn't resist it. Exactly. Yeah, let me say this, like, I, I need to apologize to all my radiologist friends because radiologists are like the weatherman they are right maybe 50 percent of the time anyway so like if, no, if no, no 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 if there's <laughs> no something listen radiologists are money you like just that. got put in the shit list I, bro I, no, 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 I, 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 I probably did 
I'm just saying, I work in surgery. We look at films all the time and we're like, oh, like, oh, what's the radiologist say? And we're like, oh, this is torn. We go in there and we look and that thing is completely fine. We're like, okay, what did this guy see? So I'm just saying like, I, is it going to rain today? I don't know. Probably not. But the, but the meteorologist says it is. So if we can have AI step in and, 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 and look at films better than a person can, I'm all for it. Oh man, okay, spicy take over there. You're, <laughs> you're, you're talking about one very small aspect of radiology. Oh, I, I lean on radiologists all the time. Oh man, the and uh, oh man, you know, it's some of the some of my smarter classmates uh, end up in radiology. You can't be a dummy and end up in radiology. It's a pretty competitive field, and uh, so those, I mean, those people know what they're doing, and there's there's a lot more to it to radiology than just reading films and things, you know. <laughs> but uh, uh, so it, I'm just talking about that that one very particular studies where so far uh, where AI's been able to find some things that the radiologists couldn't. But um, you know, it it just makes sense that 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 is the area that that it's kind of getting its its foot in the door first uh, because it is is mostly data. I don't, I mean. I was I was pretty surprised whenever I did some radiology rotations and things about how much data is in a like a, a CAT scan image. Um, you, there, there's so much that more than just the image that you can see on the screen. Uh, you can you can pinpoint any part on that that CT and 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 click on it. And there's just there's um, there's color readings on there there's certain units that i won't get into because it's kind of boring but kind of the shade of of, of light or dark uh can um correspond to different um body tissues or tumor tissue and things like that uh so there's so much data just within a like a cat scan for instance that an ai is going to be able to process faster and be able to to pinpoint different things a little bit easier so um, but that's just that's just one area, and AI is only going to get better. Um, you know, I think the you know the more important question, or the question that I I don't know, is what the timeline of that is going to be. What's the trajectory of AI in medicine? Because you know, eventually, if we as a as a race as a human race live long enough, I mean, AI's going to be you know a mess and may, may mostly be ai but how long that takes uh it's hard to say um the the aspects of medicine that deal with patient interaction and um kind of trying to get information from patients and and uh, doing complicated cases and, and things like that, uh, you know, our AI is not even close to that yet. Uh, I mean, Siri and Alexa, you try and have a conversation with them and, and you'll just find out right there that, that it's that part of AI is just not even close, but eventually it will be. And, um, you know, how long that's going to take to where you're talking to an AI when you go into a doctor's office and, you know, instead of a, a nurse when you first go in a room or if you're talking to an AI instead of a doctor at some point um, or even as far as, you know, I don't know if you guys seen that film Elysium where you just kind of lay in that pod and it scans your entire body and takes blood and then, you know, spits out a pill or something like that. But, um, uh, you know, I, 
I don't know what the timeline looks like. I just uh, I think it's coming. AI is definitely going to um, be a bit, be a big part of medicine um, as it should be, and I think that uh, we just got to have the right mindset and and if it helps patients, if it uh, you know improves their health, make you know makes something safer, makes something more effective, then we shouldn't be resistant and um, just kind of uh, welcome it and adapt. Well, it, it's it sounds like that you're not sold on uh, AI being able to have conversations with patients, right? Which I, I think we differ on that with the AI that I've seen, right? I think I think it's very close to being able to have conversation. I mean, I I envision and and you know, tell me if if I'm off on this, Jay. But I envision, you know, uh, what are those little stands with like a you remember like an uh, iPad and it used to, you used to be able to communicate with patients as a physician, mm -hmm. right. Uh, on a pad. Right. And I yeah, envision yeah. a, a, a time when that face is, is AI and everything that you're saying, it is, you know, implementing that data into, yeah. you know, whatever it does and it's spitting out, you know, certain things like a cold fever, you know, uh, soreness in the throat could amount to this, this, and, and this, right? Just mm -hmm. almost like, so I, I see a, a time where, you know, I, I don't think doctors will be, you know, uh, irrelevant or anything, but I see a time where AI could become the interface, or at least a lot of the interface that is is in between you know the hospital yeah, right I, the first face they see may be a set of a nurse right an ai that has a sequences a sequence of questions right that give that give you at least a um something that that says hey it might be these things i mean do you think that what i yeah. described is is far off or no i i don't i don't think you're wrong i think that that is eventually um probably going to be the case i just think we're we're a long ways off from anything that is going to be able to um effectively interview a, a patient about a anything that's complicated at all i mean i see what you're saying like there's already questionnaires that patients fill out whenever you know they come in that have um set questions about you know, their symptoms and medical history and things like that. And, and, um, you know, there's nothing that is keeping our current technology from being able to do that type of thing. Um, just kind of record your, your answers and, and summarize it and kind of come up with a guess based on what the answers you give. But, um, you know, the medicine's not that straightforward. I think that uh, that's one of the things that, you're sort of uh, disappointed in whenever you start actually seeing patients out of medical school is that you have these things in your mind, like, you know, the, this, this, and this mean equals this. And so if someone comes in with this problem, I'm just going to ask them these questions and then I'll be able to figure out the answer. And then you find out that patients are extremely complicated and that the body is, uh, interacts in a very uh, complicated manner and not a very straightforward manner. And, um, you know, certain things can, <laughs> I mean, uh, depression can, can influence back pain, which is like, okay, 
um, that's a something you didn't necessarily think of asking when you someone comes in with back pain, that sort of thing. And and um, and so there's definitely more than um, just knowledge that goes into um, talking to a patient. There's you know it's a it's cliche to say that that there's an art to it, but there is an art to it because um, you know there's there's doctors that that consistently get better results, um, get, um, that have better, uh, doctor patient relationships, uh, that get, um, better ratings, that sort of things and, um, get better diagnosis out of interviewing patients because they, they have a better technique and, and it's, uh, um, you know, it's more than just running down a list and asking questions. And I think AI is a long ways away from being able to um, think of the right questions to ask on the fly and um, and be able to understand the nuances of different patients' answers because, you know, man, uh, an answer from, the same answer from two different patients can mean two different <laughs> things um, because everybody's knowledge of, uh, of their health is different. Everybody's knowledge of medical terminology is different. Um, and, you know, this, the same thing coming out of two different people's mouths doesn't necessarily mean the same thing when it's come from two different patients. It's uh, so, like I said, I, you know, I don't think you're, you're off that eventually that that could be the case. And, and I'm not under the illusion that a doctor is going to be needed throughout the entirety of the rest of the history of human beings, uh, eventually probably, you know, artificial intelligence is going to be able to do my job. I just think that it's quite a ways off. Um, hopefully, <laughs> yeah, uh, long after I'm uh, dead and gone, but that may, may not be the case, but I think, I, th I still think we're quite a ways away from that. And, and then, you know, the, there's the human element too, and is that, you know, there are some people that even if a, AI is, better at diagnosing certain things or or has more accurate whatever prescriptions all of that that there's some people are probably still going to be resistant to going to an ai <laughs> to take care yeah of I, I could definitely so, see that i i don't i don't think uh, physicians will technically go away i just think they're um the people that are surrounded surrounding the physicians are going to become less and less right because it's just i think ai can do so much now that it's mm -hmm. it's going to be hard for hospitals to justify a salary of a, a, a high amount for you know something an ai can can do right and we yeah. we've talked about we've touched on one spot do you see any other areas in, in your field that you think AI may be, you know, gonna, gonna have an effect on soon. I mean, I, I, one of the things that I thought also is what about like your, your notes and different things like that, that you have to do as a well, physician, that's already, do you think AI? There's already some, um, there's already some AI programs that are helping with um, with notes. And so, um, there's a, we'll just kind of start from where things were 
and where they are now as far as having something called a scribe. So there, there is and there was and still is a job called a scribe where a human being with a computer goes in the room with you when you see a patient and they basically type out you know, the questions that you ask, the patient's answers, um, all of that. And um, when you're done seeing that patient, your scribe basically has your note done <laughs> except for certain, you know, medical decision-making elements and things like that to your note. And so that's that's called a scribe. That's a human being. That's a job. Um, those cost money. Uh, and then, then it moved to, there's a, basically you ask your patients beforehand if it's okay if your conversation is recorded by someone who's going to type it and um, have your note done. And there's people that aren't in the room with you, but they um, will listen to your interview and you can kind of talk to them while you're in the room saying, okay, this is, you know, this is what I heard when I listened to their lungs or whatever. And, and then after you're um, done with their room, then uh, and not too long after that, they will have your note typed up and all that. Um, and now that job is being moved to, to an AI to where um, it's not a human being that's listening to your conversation and your interview with your patient. It's an AI and they will do the same thing. They will have your note done. Um, that is still sort of in the early phases. Uh, there's some early adopters, I think. Um, and so that eventually could take hold. I mean, I don't know. Um, it would be very nice as a, as a doctor if I didn't you know, have to spend half of my time um, typing out notes after I've seen patients. Uh, that is, if you, if you talk to, to doctors, that's really one of the bigger um, downsides to our job is that, uh, you know, for me and for a lot of other physicians, uh, 50% of our time or sometimes more of our job is not patient related, uh, patient facing. It's, it's writing notes and, and doing orders and, and that sort of thing, or you're just sitting typing at a computer. So, um, those sort of things I would certainly welcome and may, you know, free up your doctor to spend more time with you and to, um, be able to see more patients and that sort of thing. So, um, that would be a welcome change for me. Yeah. What about, uh, Monty? I, I know you're, you know, you're in the, the medical field, right? But you're more in surgery. I mean, what do you see in, in your field when it comes to AI? Um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, I, I think, I mean, Justin said it, I think there's always going to be a place for a, a doctor, a, a human, because, uh, it's not, it's not, you know, one to two, two to three, three to four, four to five, you know, there's so many different variables. And a lot of times you have to go to plan B, plan C, right? So like, you, I mean, you kind of need that human interaction to do that. Uh, you know, like, like in surgery, like they already have like robot assisted, uh, like total knees and robot assisted and stuff like that. So I can, I can see there might be, you know, that kind of element brought into surgery where there's, you know, robot assisted stuff like that to kind of, you know, make surgery like more precise and, you know, and fine tuned. But um, I still think you're going to need like a, a, a human hand um, and, and, and eyes to kind of kind of see that. Um, and there's still a done. human operating that robot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The robot's not doing yeah. it by itself, yeah. you know. Um, and so, like, and obviously, like, 
I mean, we do a lot of pre-op planning, you know, we, we throw it into a program and a program kind of like, you know, does the, the 3D dimension of, of the, like a shoulder or something like that. And so I can see where AI might assist in that, where like you kind of like already know the size of the screw you want because it's like you've already mapped it out beforehand. We do a lot of pre-op planning that way. And so AI might help with that, but the stuff that actually happens like in the case, I, I still think this gonna, you're going to need a human uh, in there. But I, I do think AI is going to be a tool that a surgeon or a doctor uses, but I don't think it'll ever fully, uh, not in our lifetime anyway, um, replace uh, the need for a doctor. Um, I mean, I, I, like Justin said, I think it's all more like data related, right? Like we talked about paralegals and lawyers when, when you know, AI can, can run or filter the amount of work that a thousand paralegals can do. I mean, and you, and you think of like a cure for cancer or cure stuff like, like stuff like that, when they can, you know, process or do the job of a thousand people. And one of them, you know, think how many, like how fast you can get an outcome or how fast you can get a solution. Um, and I, I think they're going to have a bigger role in stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. Um, Jay, I, I think what you said again about, you know, the medical field, not worrying about jobs being taken away, but being more focused on uh, what's best for the patient right? And being able to, to do better by the patient, I think is, is the absolute best take on this, right? And, and I know it, it sucks to hear that AI is going to take jobs, but, you know, in the medical field, it's all about, you know, what's more productive, right? What's better for the patient? And if AI can accomplish that, then we have to go down that rabbit hole, right? In my opinion. And I think, you know, knowing, knowing you and talking, talking to you about, you know, your job and everything, if there's a way to get you in front of, you know, patients more and be able to, to do those things, um, more than just 50%, I think that's a, a win, right. For you and for, you know, your patients, right. Do mm -hmm. you agree with that? Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a win, win, win. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's yeah. better for me. It's better for our patients. It's better for our hospitals. I mean, for one doctor to be able to see more patients, then that's less doctors that a have to a hospital has to pay to, you know, to see double the amount of patients or whatnot. I mean, I I really feel like that a lot of doctors could see almost double the amount of patients that they're seeing now if they didn't have to do all the administrative stuff. Yeah, and the and the data recording and just writing their notes and, and all of that type of jazz. Well, I mean, like uh, Lauren, uh, how many patients does she So Justin, you're your wife's a physician also, and she's a family medicine uh, physician. Uh, how many patients does she see or how many patients does she have? How many patients does she see per day? Uh, so, I mean, she she's at least 20 a day right now. I mean, she's probably anywhere between 20 to 25 a day. Um, now she also went uh, to working three days a week so that, you know, we could spend more time with her kids. So she, she was full-time, she went part-time technically, but didn't stop seeing any of her patients and still sees the same amount of patients. So she just crammed them into a few more days. But I mean, she's, <laughs> so for example, she'll see patients on Monday and then Tuesday, you know, she has a packed schedule and she's got no time to do her notes. So she sends her entire next day off pretty much. She'll spend, you know, um, 
multiple hours getting her notes from the previous day done on her on her day off that she has um yeah and, and i mean think about it. if if ai was able to accomplish you know a lot of that task a right she'd be able to see more patients but b she'd have more time but i mean that that's where i see a, a lot of uh people starting to invest in in ai because i think it's a known thing in the medical industry i would say right that there's got to be a better way to do these things right there's got to be a more effective way and i think ai has mm -hmm. been has been the last piece to the puzzle for you know that industry to figure that little piece out like how do we free up our physicians to to take on more patients and be more productive i think that's right. got to be the, be the next journey in the ai realm at least yeah yeah no i agree i think there's i mean there's a lot of red tape right in healthcare and a lot of administrative stuff and if, i think ai can probably streamline some of that too you know and like you know when dealing with insurance companies and stuff like that when you have ai they can kind of find answers and solutions faster um, than we, what we currently have, but at the exact, I mean, we talk about people losing jobs, but you know, it's just like, you know, evolution, right? I think yeah. this people will lose jobs, but I think this op gives opportunity to create different jobs and they might be like IT the te technology, man. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like people, we went from handwriting to typewriters, to computers, right? Like people lost jobs, but they found areas to, to create new jobs at the exact same time. Exactly. So it's not like, you know, we're going to have thousands of people homeless on the street. I think we're, the type of job yeah. that they're going to have is just going to be different. Yeah. I think that's very, very well said, Monty. I, I agree with you. And I think well, medicine's unique because... It, it's one of those things I think that you can, everybody can sort of get on board with, hey, um, you know, if, if AI makes, you know, my dad's visit to the hospital, you know, if he gets better care or gets a better diagnosis because of an AI or he gets a better treatment prescribed or he gets, you know, this thing on his imaging um, accurately diagnosed, then... Yeah, then we're going to be all for that. And there's a lot of other jobs that that AI and, and you know, certain technologies are going to take over that you can't necessarily make that correlation like that. Uh, it's that obvious that it's a good thing that, you know, mm. that AI is involved. And so so medicine sort of in a unique uh, in a unique position, I think. I, I, I do got one more question when it comes to like blood cultures and you know drawing blood and getting results from i would say I, I would more put it in the realm of like research right do you see ai going into that field in the research field or or yeah like like i'll give you an example like when when you take my when you take my blood it goes to the lab right mm -hmm. Does the lab consist of of people, you know, getting all that the people, stuff from my blood? People or is that an AI? Well, doing most that? of the stuff is is people feeding different machines that yeah, like that do your blood yeah. do your blood it goes into like a centrifuge and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, there's still there's still other things like you know, there's there's pathologists that specialize in in multiple things, but one of those among them is is looking at like a, a smear of your blood called a per peripheral smear and, and uh, looking at different cells and identifying different cells um, that should be there and, and 
cells that shouldn't be there and how many, you know, of certain types of cells should be there, that sort of thing. Um, okay. Or looking at different tissue that, you know, is biopsied and um, determining if it's, you know, a healthy tissue or if it's a cancerous tissue or we're just trying to identify what it is that you biopsy, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that that is probably another area that is um, prime for AI to be able to help in that area because it's kind of like, you know, a, a CT scan or an X-ray and the fact that it's, it's kind of a picture of something. It's not necessarily, you know, talking to a patient, um, but it's being able to identify certain types of tissue by different sorts of characteristics and, and that sort of thing. And so you can train an AI to do that. Um, so I think definitely, I think, you know, like I said, radiology is probably up there at the top of, of uh, areas that AI can help in and then probably, um, you know, a pathology is probably going to be another one that's up there that, that it could definitely help with. Um, and then all of those tools you can definitely um, use in research um, to help to, you know, maybe be a little more accurate or, or you know, not have to um, spend as much money um, paying someone to do a job that an AI can, I guess. Yeah, I mean that's more or less what I was what I was after. Yeah. I, I think you you hit the nail uh, on the head. So, all right, well we're running about thirty five minutes on this. Um, Jay, thanks for joining, man. I think this was great, and I think anybody uh, who's in the medical field will uh, will enjoy listening uh, to you talk about this, and and you know hopefully they have the right mindset of taking care of the patient more than losing you know, losing jobs, right? You said it best. It's over and over again. These things have happened, but it has seemed that it always builds jobs that may be different, but there's always jobs that come from the technology uh, that comes in. So Jay, I love you, brother. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Love you too. See you fellas later. See, see you, man. Have a good one. All right. Well, that was a good conversation about AI. I, I love dude, talking about AI, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm a technology nerd, and I, I love AI too. I mean, obviously, you know, baby steps though, right? Because like, I, I just think I think the end goal. I like I see iRobot and like just them having their own, you know, conscious and thoughts, and they just start taking over, and you're just like, woo. So, uh, but I don't um, I don't think that will that will ever. I don't think but, AI can ever get to that point. I I don't know. Like they're like they've already like. Like that chat GPT guy, like he's already like has like a 4.0, 5.0, like like it's already getting advanced so fast. But we are I mean, obviously like, like I said before, in our lifetime, we might not see it. And I, I hope we don't. But um, the small advances we see now, like you said, that that could benefit, uh, you know, healthcare, science, you know, you know, even, you know, like, like we talk about. In the, in the law like if you have a law issue apparently uh, you know ai that can solve it like that so they're taking you know months hours days weeks you know so i i definitely think there's um a benefit to it in in our society today i agree with you well uh let's jump into uh some politics first actually because uh, we don't have a bunch to get through yeah, that's uh, but we'll, we'll we'll try to knock this stuff out. I know we're running about uh, forty minutes or so, uh, thirty-seven minutes. So uh, again, there, there's not a ton of political stuff uh, to get into, but 
There is one thing that I really wanted to talk to you about, and that is Chicago. Have you seen the video of the teens riding once again? Have uh, you I seen this? Seen... I haven't seen the new ones, so I'm I'm pretty sure you're going to show it to us, though. I, I well, I, so I don't have the clip. <laughs> uh, I, I don't have the clip. Yeah. I mean, it's the exact same clip that we've shown, right? right. Just a different day. It's teens yeah. riding, right? Once again, like this is the third time since April that we know that, about, right? That we know about, mm. right? Like. When is Chicago going to get there? Like, when when are they going to wake the hell up? Like, I do not understand it. And if you get a sec, listen to the mayor's response, right? The way he phrases this is, you know, these teens are rioting, and he's like, we had no other choice. We didn't want to arrest them but we had to arrest them and they arrested one person. It's like, you had to like, they were writing and breaking into stores. Like, why do you feel right. sorry for them? Like, that's almost the thing. It's like you, they, he, they feel sorry for these people. They don't give a shit about the store owner that just potentially lost his entire business. Right. Cause they came in and just mm. ransacked everything. What they care about is the language you use to describe this group of teens and that the teens had to be arrested for breaking the law. It's like, well, when you break the law, you get arrested. I mean, that's pretty simple, right? right? I mean, do you, do you, I, do you see a change being able to take place in Chicago at this point? Man, like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before on the, the last time we talked about the riots and, you know, at this point you really don't because obviously, you know, with the same leadership um, that's been there and that seems like it's going to continue to be there, it's not going to change. You can get the same song and dance and, this, you know, the same results over and over again, you know, until the people um, of Illinois, the people of Chicago stand up and, and you know, elect other officials in there to represent them. This is not going to change. Right. Um, and obviously, <clears throat> if you want to get political right, it's, you know, the Democrats right now are running Chicago. Um, and, you know, they have ran Chicago for a very long time, you know, and until people are fed up and they decide, okay, you know, the Democrats are not, it's not working in our city, you know, let's get someone else in there that, you know, might run things a little differently. Um, we're not going to see change until then. And I don't think that's going to happen for, for a long time, almost to the point where uh, it's too late, right? You, you know, it's like, you got to be at the bottom of the barrel before you want to come back up. And I, I mean, that's, aren't that's, they at the bottom of the barrel? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I mean, you would think so. I mean, I mean, like we talk about, you know, uh, for a long time gangs and Chicago has been, you know, the top three uh, cities in the, in the country and, you know, and crime and homicide and, and all this stuff. And, and, and nothing, nothing seems to change. Um, I, I, you know, for us, like, I mean, they're, they're going to kill you, kill you all of them they're gonna kill each other and then everything's gonna yeah. be fine but but you know and it's still you know like like last time we talked about you know uh businesses are, are, are moving out of there I, I mean it's gonna be like the wild wild west like in in the midwest it's it's kind of crazy but um you know even what trump wanted to bring in the national guard in at one time right to kind of kind of help lori lightfoot uh, wouldn't let him yeah right exactly i mean and, and, and you see um, what's continuing to happen in Chicago. And like I said, it's, it's not going to change until the leadership changes and until the mindset changes. It's like you talked about, 
just now it's like oh I, we didn't want to arrest him and, and dude how slow is the one guy that got arrested like everyone <laughs> probably took off running and this dude was like hold on but anyway but like one guy come on that's that's silly but um well i, I totally lost my train of thought telling that joke but uh, <laughs> but, it, but yeah i mean until we see a change nothing's going to change and, and unfortunately i i mean i think these i mean how these people see things and view things um they're not going to make a change and it's, they're just going to end up hurting themselves like i said before when you don't have a grocery store to shop at when you don't have you know you can't buy toilet paper and stuff to like have a house and you know and take care of your family i mean that that is sad man and um i i feel bad for what's going on in chicago yeah i mean here, here's the two things that i took away from this um the first one is, is if you want to see what the whole United States would look like if the left had their way and started pushing all of their, you know, the stuff that they want uh, down upon every single state, right? Because that's one of the key differences between Republicans and Democrats. Democrats want to have the power at the top of the government and force it upon other states where most Republicans are like, if you want that in your state, fine, but don't push it on our state, right? If you want to have a vision of what the United States would look like if if the left got their their way when it came to federal laws and different stuff, that's exactly what it would look like, right? Because Chicago is ran by all Democrats all Democrats and there's riots in the streets constantly. It's got the, one of the worst murder, you know, it's, it's one of the murder capitals of, of the United States. Kids are shooting themselves left and right. You know, businesses are, are leaving. I mean, it is brutal. It is brutal. And we still let those people stand up and say, elect me. I'm going to make your life better. Right. I'm going to I'm going to, you know, do this and this to you. And what people have to wake up and realize is look at the cities that are ran by these people. They all suck. All of them. Like all of them suck. California, Chicago, right. New York, like all these places, they, they literally suck really, really badly. And then these politicians stand up and, you know, think that pointing to to those types of cities are going to be like a good thing or should get them elected. So again, that what I took away is if that's what you want our country to look like, keep electing these people. Right? Because that's their goal is to turn, you know, every state into, you know, left left run states and that's what it will end up as is just people writing constantly right the second thing is i feel like we've almost lost our our kids from the age of 18 to 25 right because the i mean these are all kids doing this or the majority of them and they're just ransacking these stores like not even thinking about you know, what they're doing to the store owner or their own city. I mean, where are the parents, right? Where are the adults, 
right? The police didn't even do anything for a while because they were outnumbered. They just let them sit there and riot. Like, where are the adults? And where are the, where's the moral compass within these kids? Like 18 to 25, where's the moral compass? It's almost like it's not even existent anymore, right? Like, do you think we've lost this generation of kids? Or do you think there's still hope? Oh, no, I definitely, I definitely think there's hope. Um, you know, it, like, and I obviously, like, there's definitely, you know, pockets of the United States, right, that um, struggle, that will have a hard time, you know, and, you know, we talk about, we talk about, I, you know, I've even brought it, brought up before about, you know, parents need to do a better job, but I think we got to understand, like, especially in the inner city, like, a lot of people, they don't come from, you know, a two- parent family right they they come from a one parent family and that one parent sometimes doesn't even care about them they don't even know where they're at like they don't know what they're doing and you know and so they they go and look for that authority some place else and that's how they get involved in gangs because like you know the gangs that's that's the people that accept them right uh and so like you know i that's what i i always say like, it just kind of like you said like the parents the people that are in charge of these kids need to do better jobs of of, of you know Ha like raising these kids and looking after these kids and make sure they're not put in these situations that, that they are now because because it, it creates a trickle-down effect i mean first of all they're gonna end up in jail they're gonna end up like I said rioting and stuff like that but then these kids end up having kids and so how they're supposed to be raising you know you know outstanding men and women when they don't have anything to look to because their parents treat them like crap and then they just you know ran the streets the whole time so like you know it, it becomes it comes like a snowball effect so um but i but i don't think it's everywhere like you know i don't think it's you know um rampant but i i do think like you you're starting to see a slowly uh a slow uptick of this happening across the country you know it's kind of crazy in left in left in left right. states this stuff is happening right yeah. and left left ran states this is happening you don't see this in oklahoma right you don't you don't see this in texas right, right. That, that's well, not that that doesn't happen there a because the police will come and arrest you like they should right, right. for breaking a law but a lot of them will stand their ground right they you know i don't want to get into a, a gun debate here but there's a lot of gun holding people in Oklahoma. There's a lot of gun holding people in Texas. They're afraid to break yeah. into that store because they could get shot. Chicago, oh, yeah. that's not the case, right? Like they have the strictest gun laws, right? In the United States, if not the strictest, one of the strictest. Yeah, but handguns, but yeah. I mean, it, still, it, I think I think there's a correlation you know, between those two things, right? And, and what you were saying about, about the parents, I think back in the day, the church would be the parents of these kids. Right, yeah. Right, the, the church would step up and be the moral compass, the moral guidance for these young children. And they're irrelevant, right? Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see the church in Chicago whatsoever. And, you know, if anybody watching this is in Chicago and involved in the church, prove me wrong, right? Just because 
my the way I look at the church is the church is supposed to be the people that take in these children, right? That give right. these children their moral compass if the parents won't. Well, right? it's if supposed the parents, to be. Go ahead. It's the it's the it's the gang, you know, that these kids are looking for, right? It's the acceptance, the people that will bring them in, that pre- people that would love them, right? Um, that's that's what they're finding in gangs. But obviously, gangs are for you know bad reasons. That you know they don't have they have bad intentions, right? But you know the church has good intentions. But where are they? You know, like you know we talk about what what you guys do at sixty first and Peoria, where are the people like on the streets, you know, seeking these children and, and trying to give them, you know, a place of refuge and a place of acceptance and love? Well, I mean, it, I I don't think there's a lot of it out there, yeah, uh, in Chicago. And again, I think that's one of the reasons that you know the moral compass of this cho- of the children are just so far off. And I mean that that poor generation, right? You got to think. It, 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 a lot of f- kids in that generation got brought up like right as the porn industry, you know, blew up. Right, probably every single one of those kids had had access um, to, to porn just right there on their phone. Right, and it's around that time that the church started to give up the culture war. Right, mm-hmm. so there wasn't a lot of guiding morality there surrounding their life. Right. So they grew up in a culture that glorified, um, you know, actors in Hollywood and, you know, doing bad things. And then you have porn constantly. I just don't I, I think I think it it's, uh, was a, tr- a, a hard childhood to stay on the straight and narrow when that's what you're getting all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. But the but, you know, the church should have been there to, you know, to help out in those scenarios, right. To give, to help with the moral compass, like I've, like I've been saying, and mm-hmm. I just don't think it was there, right. I don't think it's there in these big cities. Um, I don't know why, right. Cause you would think that, um, that more Christians would, would focus on the areas that need the most help. Right. Jesus said, uh, you know, I'm not here for the healthy. I'm here for the sick. Right. right? Well, Chicago is sick to me, yeah, right? Yeah. There should be people in droves going down there trying to help. You know, California mm-hmm. is sick. There should be people in droves going out there to help and same with New York and so on and so forth. But I think the church has done that city a disservice um, by not stepping up and trying to do more for for that, that community. Yeah. No, but, yeah, no, I... I totally, I, yeah, I can't disagree with you at all. Like, you know, there, there needs to be some kind of authority to step in and, and, and help when help is needed. And like you said, back in the day, that was the church. Like, you know, I, I talk about my dad sometimes and, you know, my dad grew up in the inner city of Philadelphia and like that, I mean, back in the day, um, you know, they, they had like, obviously they, it was back in the day, so they didn't have gun guns or they had, um, they made guns out of potato, potato guns and they had knives. Right. But, um, but he, obviously, you know, the things that saved him was one was sports, but two was the church. I mean, he was lucky yeah. enough that, you know, my grandfather was a, a Methodist, you know, pastor. And so obviously like he was in church Monday, Saturday, Sunday, you know, he was, he was, he, he was in it. And that, that kind of, and then when he wasn't at church, he was, you know, playing sports. And that was, that was the two things that kept him out of the streets and getting involved. Like, you know, he, he tells me stories all the time. So like, 
he's seen so many of his friends, you know, injured, killed, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that could have been him if he would have went out a certain night, but, you know, but he was at church or he was at a game, you know? So um, it's, it's crazy where, and then like, you know, obviously, you know, you say, Oh, 40 years is a long time. 50 years is a long time. Like, but in the long, in the big picture, 50 years isn't that long for like where we've been to where, where we are now. It blows my mind. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And, you know, I've ranted long enough on on the church (laughs) that, um, you know, I, but I, I do feel, I do feel like Jesus said, right. He's here for the sick, not the healthy. I believe those cities are in need of strong leaders and strong Christian leaders to start to turn the moral compass, uh, back to the father. Um, but I don't, I, I think that'll take a lot and it'll also take, you know, Chicago people willing to uh, give the ground of culture back to the church, which a lot yeah, of people yeah. aren't willing to do as of this yeah. moment. Yeah. And we'll see. I mean, your your dad has uh, brought it up before in the past and you've brought it before. Like, obviously, you know, there, there um, has this past year, past year and a half, there's been a lot of revivals going on in this country and they've been led by the youth. Right. So, um I mean, that's, that's a, a very sign. good point, Mont. You, you know, so that's that's a sign that, you know, change is 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 happening. Um, and, you know, hopefully if it if it continues to grow and it, maybe it'll work its way into these inner cities and it, maybe it'll, it'll touch and reach the right person and, and it can steamroll and it, it can help the cause. Right. So, um, I mean, only time will tell. But like, obviously, the, there are things happening and you just hope it gets to the right places. Mont, that that's a great point. Right. We've we've shown clips we've talked about these kids writing in chicago well you know the the reformation that's that's going on right now is led by kids mm-hmm. right maybe there will be if you're a kid in chicago be the one that steps up and leads right, right? your generation to to stop doing this right? right be the leader that that brings the reformation to chicago Let's see it, right? Because it is being led by children. That's a phenomenal point, Mont. Let's see. I uh, let's keep our eyes on that because I think you're right. I think you're right. It's going to take somebody, some kids, and my dad said it last week, right? It it only takes a committed few, right, to change the world. Well, a committed few can change Chicago, but I think you're right. It has to come from the kids yeah it's like a wildfire right i mean like it starts by a little spark right you know all you need is a little spark a little you know someone that's you know a conduit of change that's you know looking for something better that's pre like you know that's you know preaching or the, you know the word in that that hits that hits the right person you know and, and it, it could blow up man so like i'm not giving up on them i don't think it's too late you know it obviously it sucks to see what's going on right now and what's been going on but that doesn't mean it's the end bro i like it i like it so the last thing that we're going to talk about is Ice Cube. I don't have any clips, but Ice Cube had an interview with Tucker Collison. He is mm. catching all sorts of stuff, right? I mean, the left has just disowned him, right? I mean, he talked a little bit about, you know, he isn't being invited to cast parties, right? That like uh there was one barbershop had a reunion he wasn't invited even though he produced the whole the whole movie was the star 
right? All due to his political view. Yep. Right. And I wanted to get your get your take on this because he's not he's not a Republican. No. Right. What he's advocating for is free thinking. Right. You don't get to tell me what I have to think based upon the color of my skin. And people are disowning him for basically saying that. Like, it's astonishing that. You know, one of the the people that stood up to free speech, right back in back in his heyday, right yeah. back when he got his start, right Man, there this was guy said, controversy. This guy said "f the police" and made a song about it, bro. You're you're exactly <laughs> right. You're exactly right. He was a free thinker. He's always been yeah. a free thinker, and now he's saying, "Hey, I'm not a Republican, but how dare you?" say I have to believe something based upon the color of my skin. And then those who are saying you have to believe this based on the color of your skin disown him after he said, I'm going to think for myself. Right. What do you think about all this? Dude, I mean, I think it's, I think it's great. And obviously like, you know, Ice Cube, he has money. This dude doesn't care what people think about him. He doesn't care about not getting invited to places and stuff like that. But like, I mean, he says the exact same stuff that, that we say, right? I mean, obviously like we're not for big government. We don't want people in our business, blah, 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 blah. But we, but when it comes down to politics, it comes down to things and the Republicans and the Democrats, basically we say the same thing. Do your own research. Like, think for yourself. Don't just be like, oh, my dad was this, my mom is this, so I'm going to be it. Or like, you know, my neighbor is this, my professor is this. Do the research, you know, and 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 make your decisions for yourself and come to your own conclusions. And that's all we ask, right? Um, and so that's all he's doing. But but Ice Cube has seen it all, dude. He, you know, being raised with from nothing in Compton, being a rapper, then being an A-list actor, right? He's seen the lows of the low, the highs of the highs, and and in he's smart enough to come to his own conclusions and like and obviously um he doesn't he doesn't those conclusions don't fit with like you know the a-list celebrities in hollywood right um and and, but at the exact same time they don't necessarily align with like you know the minorities in compton either right and so he i mean he gets it from 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 both sides but um he uh, he brings up some, I didn't see the, the all of Tucker Carlson, but I've seen some other interviews he's done um, recently. He was promoting his, you know, the big three um, basketball mm-hmm. league that he has. Um, and, and, you know, he brings up some great points. And obviously, like, he's a man that, you know, he's, he's proud to be an African American. He's proud of, you know, uh, what he has, and he wants the best for his people. And I don't think in he realized that sometimes his people don't know what's best for themselves or what what they want you know and, and so like he's smart to so like hey you know we've been down this road we've been told this we've been told this we haven't got any of that maybe it's time for a change and you're right he's not a republican um but exact same time he's smart enough to know that you know you can't keep on doing the exact same thing and expect a different result well and he also he also made a great point he was like our our you know we got uh, got freed from slavery, right? But mm. then again, telling us what we have to think or what we have to vote right. is a form it's a, it's of a slavery, form of slavery, right? Right. So he's like, "You're not going to do that. Like we we fought that battle, right? We're right. not going to do that. You don't get to do that anymore." And surprisingly, the left is pushing back on that thought, right? And it, I mean, it just shows the true colors of 
the left, right? What they truly want, mm. they want you to get in line, right? They they want you to do what they say. And if you go against them, right, they're going to throw you under the bus, just like they right. did Ice Cube, right? And and let me let me make it very clear. I don't agree with a lot of what Ice Cube says, right? right? But I do agree that that you have to think for yourself or you will be enslaved, right? If somebody tells you what to think, what to say, how to talk, right? That is a form of slavery that, yeah, that you a- have to, it has to get broken, right? You, you, have, you have to break that, absolutely yeah. have to. So I agree with them on that. But again, he, he's not a Republican, but I, I you know, I thank him for standing up because he's a very big cultural icon, right? right? For for our generation and for the younger generation and just rap music in, in general, right? right? But for, for our generation, he was a, a is a major culture icon. And for him to stand up and, and say, hey, don't go along with what people say with blind loyalty. Like, look right. for yourself. You know, think about things yourself. And, you know, speak your, speak your thoughts, right? Don't yep. just, just go with the crowd. I think that's good. That's very good to put out there in the universe. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, no, I, I totally agree too. And I, I mean, we've actually, we've, we've mentioned that before too, uh, we've, when we've had a, you know, our politics talks and we our, our talk about Republicans and Democrats and pre, the presidential election, stuff like that. You, I mean, you have to be a free thinker and, you know, don't always go with the crowd because the crowd's not always right. Um, and obviously, if you look at Ice Cube's career, like no, probably no one has done that m- more than him, right? And so, um, I, I definitely, like, like you said, I don't agree with everything he does. I don't think er- everything he believes in, but like he has the right mindset of you know how he you should you know go about and conduct your life. So, I'm with you. All right, well, that is it for politics. Let's move into some sports. Ooh, sports. Uh, <clears throat> okay, let's get into it. We, we, since the last time we talked, there's a lot of sports, so we're just going to touch on the, uh, a few things. Uh, college football is right around the corner. Football in general is right, right around the corner. Um, a lot of conferences are making some big moves, and I think pretty soon um, the idea of conferences is going to be dead. And I think, you know, we're going to be down to maybe two or three big power conferences. And then we're going to rely heavily on the college playoff system to determine a national championship. Um, and nothing said that even more than, you know, this past week, the Pac-12 is down to five teams. Um, that blows my mind, right? Oregon and Washington, they jumped ship with UCLA and USC to join the Big Ten, who now has 18 teams. The Big Ten... <laughs> has 18 teams. Uh, Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah has joined the Big 12, who now has 16 teams. So that leaves California, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington State part of the Big 12, or Pac-12. What's going on? Is there going to be a Pac-12 after this year in your thoughts? Are, are they going to pick up some smaller teams? And obviously that, that hurts the idea of, of a, how powerful the Pac-12 used to be. But what's going on in the, in the landscape of uh, college sports right now, man? Man, I, I think I think you, you're probably right um, that it will either go into a non-conference scenario or maybe three big conferences. Right. right. 
I, I just don't know how non-conferences would work, right? How do you pick your schedule, no right? Th th things like that, I just, I, I think it's, I, I would have to figure out exactly how they would go about picking schedules so you get to play, you know, right. different things like that. I feel like you could tip the scale a little bit if you had right. no conferences, so Alabama just plays all the good teams or plays all the crap, you right. know. I just think there could be a lot more uh, fidgeting with the schedule in, in that right. respect. But I think it looks like we're moving towards, you know, three big conferences and the right. powerhouses being in those conferences. And there, there will always be, you know, teams that aren't in conferences. And if they're good enough, they'll get recognized. Right. I don't think no is Notre Dame in a conference. I don't think they've been in a conference oh, for a long time. Notre Dame is the only football team that's been independent. Right. So yeah. Um, and had, I mean, they've, they've made their... it to the tournament. They've made it to the national championship being that way. So, I mean, I think there's an argument to be made there. I just, uh, I, I just don't know what the NCAA is really going to do about this because it's becoming an issue. They're going to yeah. have to address it. Right. Yeah. We can't just keep going on this way. Right. No. So something has to be done. What that something is, I'm not exactly sure. But wh right. what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I look at this and it kind of blows my mind. Like, you know, obviously, you know, especially when you talk about college football, which is the moneymaker, we all know that um, SEC is the king. Right. And I think uh, right under the SEC, is, it was always the Big 12 and the Big 10. And, you know, they always want a piece of that pie, right? And, when, you know, and when you think of the Big 12, you think of OU Texas. When you think of the Big 10, you think of uh, Michigan and Ohio State. You know, and those four teams, I think, wanted a bigger piece of the pie. Um, and so it was either join the SEC like OU or in Texas did or make your conference bigger and better, which is the, the Big 10 is trying to do. Um but my thing is, is like, how do you how do you find a conference championship like or a conference champion when you're in the Big Ten? You have 18 teams. There's no way all those teams can play each other. And so like, and then it just it dilutes it for me um, to say that you're a true conference champion. Um, and then like, and, and then to determine um, who who's going to go play for you know the national championship or who's going to make the playoff to get a chance to play for a national championship there's going to be this is going to make the make the debate even worse than it has been in the past in, in my in my opinion man and it, you know and, and for the conferences like the pac-12 and the acc who like have good teams um but seem to they're going to fall apart right because i bet you clemson's going to jump ship and clemson's going to go to the sec florida state's going to go to the sec and watch i mean sec hasn't made any moves yet outside of OU and Texas and they're just going to get bigger. So, man, I don't I don't know, but I I just, it's just hard for me to picture a college landscape with just three conferences. Yeah, I mean, me too. In in those mo they may end up breaking those up, right? Right. Doing something along those lines or uh having a bigger tournament uh for yeah. the conference championship, something like right. that, but the landscape is changing. Yep, and that needs to be addressed. Um, and what exactly that that looks like, I'm I'm not sure, but there's going to be a change sooner or later. Oh, a hundred percent. I don't think we can sustain going down this path. And it's all about money and you know TV deals and revenue sharing, right? You know, the, the schools just want to make more money too. Um, 
but but I think you're right. Like even I think was we got two years until this happens, but the the tournament for the NASA can't can't just be four teams anymore, right? It's, you're going to have to talk about like 16 teams, 12 teams. It's going to have to expand enough to where um, enough teams get a, fa- a a good shot of winning the national championship. I agree with you. So, um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, Pac-12 because the Pac-12 is like you know it's just a strong conference, but now they're they're down to four teams after this year. It kinda, yeah, it kind of blows my mind. But moving on to to the big boys, right? Uh, you know, we are America loves football. Our first preseason game was this past week, the Hall of Fame game, right? It always coordinates with the the new Hall of Fame inductees. Um, it was against you know the crappy Browns and the crappier Jets. Um, and dude, they drew 6.3 million viewers. And like, and like just to just to put it in like you know perspective, the NBA playoffs average 5.4. So you're talking about a preseason game that's playing like third and four stringers that are fighting to, for a roster spot. You know, the, like Aaron Rodgers wasn't even suited up, I don't think. He was just chilling on the sidelines. Like they averaged a million more than the pinnacle of the NBA season. Like, dude, what, what's, what's your thoughts on that? Is the NBA just that bad? Did they blow it with all like the political stuff or is is the love for football just that strong? I think it's both. (laughs) I think it's both. I'm I'm serious, man. Um, You know, talk to, talk to basketball guys, right? Like, I mean, I'm a basketball guy. You're a basketball guy. When, when's the last time we watched the, the NBA, yeah, we watched some of the right. playoffs, but it wasn't consistent. It, right. I, I, you know, I caught a lot of crap in the comments for saying that I <laughs> yeah, speak did. for, you know, a lot of NBA fans. But I'm going to tell you, I think I speak for a lot of NBA fans. I, I, I don't want to watch it that much anymore. Like it become, right. it became too political for me. Like I don't want to see it. Like, I really don't. I just want to enjoy basketball, right? Yeah. But it has turned political, right? I, I don't, there's a ton of players in the NBA that have turned political that I got to listen to talk about blah, blah, blah. It's just like the U.S. soccer women's teams. Like, nobody wants to hear you talk about that crap. Like, we really don't. And, and football is one of those areas that not a lot of that stuff happened. It happened with the Kaepernick thing, right? Mm-hmm. But- the NFL put a stop to that pretty quickly, right? right. I think uh, I think there's still political stuff going on in the back end of the NFL. But when you turn on an NFL, you don't get that stuff in your face, right. right? It's just it's football, right? But but football is a part of America. I, I there's just something about it that we get excited. I think fantasy has a lot to do with it, also, right? Fantasy. Mm has it has a lot to do with the viewership in the NFL games. I know for me it does, but I think there's a lot of other people that, that it, it, it does also. Um, but I, I think it's a combination of both. America loves football. America yeah. loves football. America yeah. also hates seeing political <laughs> crap in their sports. And that's what NBA did. And they lost a oh, ton man. of viewership. You just said it. You, you oh, said man. it best, Monty. The comment section just opened up. (laughs) NBA playoffs. 5.47 million viewers on average. This is playoffs. Right. Versus 6.3 for preseason games (laughs) on the NFL. Like, that sums it up. 
Completely. That's mind blowing. That's mind blowing. It really right? is. Like, you know, like I said, like you, if you watch that game and I watched a little bit of it, you would not know who one player was on that field. Cause like, you know, they're playing, they're not playing their starters they are playing a bunch of nobodies that are fighting, fighting for, you know, a roster spot. So it blew, it blew me away when I saw those numbers and I'm pretty sure, uh, Roger Godell and the guys in the NFL are super excited. Cause if, if they can pull in this much for the hall of fame game, just wait until that season starts. But, uh, um, yeah. talking about hall of famers, the class of 2023, some of these guys, uh, we grew up watching and some, some of these guys are a little, little bit older for us, but uh, Rondé Barber, who actually my, my cousin had the pleasure to play with at the University of Virginia, but Rondé Barber uh, won a, a Super Bowl in Tampa Bay, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. He's cornerback. He got in. Uh, Coach Don Coriel, he got in. Uh, dude, this is defense heavy. You know, like there's yes, not one. Very. There's not one offensive skill player on here. Uh, Chuck Howley is in. Uh, Joe Klecko was in. Darrell Revis, the island, got in. Yeah. I, I, I wonder if he was a first ballot. There's no way they made him wait. He's a f- out, outside of Deion Sanders. I would say he is the best corner ever to play. But, I think so. I, th- I think you're pretty you, close there. You, yeah, I mean... I'm, it's he's got to be up there. Uh, Ken Riley's in. Oh, Joe Thomas had a great career. The, the crappy thing is, he just played his whole life with the Browns, and so he probably didn't get the respect that he needed. But the dude was a machine. Uh, Zach Thomas was a freak out linebacker. And uh, yeah. if anyone down here, we all know about the Cowboys, Demarcus Ware. Uh, yeah, dude, he, he was a stud too. So, uh, congratulations to the class of 2023. Um, maybe next year we might get like a wide receiver or a running back or a quarterback <laughs> in there, but this year the defense uh, held it down. So congratulations. Hey, they on, need it every once that. in a while, right? Defensive like, players are a lot of times overlooked, but that is a stout roster right there. Dude, that's it. It's a stout roster. Some some of those guys were just ballers. And so um, I even I, like I was listening to a podcast where uh, Ricky Williams was on it and like he said, Zach Thomas, you know, it should have been voted a long time ago. And then like, you know, there's been four or five players that played with Zach and against Zach, you know, and they're like, they, they couldn't believe it took him this long to get voted in. So, yeah. uh, dude, awesome. Awesome list. So congratulations to you guys. Um, uh, moving on to soccer. I know, uh, this is when Ruben usually falls asleep, but let's talk, but we've got to talk about Messi, man. Messi has been crushing it so far, dude. Uh, his team, like I, I mentioned before, last place before he came here. Now they haven't lost a game since he's been here. The guy, he scored seven goals in four games. Uh, the game winner, as time ran out on his very first game over here, um, yesterday uh, they played uh, FC Dallas. FC Dallas sold out this game in 10 minutes for the tickets from the tickets being available. Like this doesn't have, this doesn't happen in MLS soccer guys. This isn't England. This isn't Spain. This is United States soccer and tickets sold out in 10 minutes. People were scalping these tickets for a thousand to $10,000 for a soccer game in the United States. Like this guy has definitely quadrupled, the, the net worth of the MLS one person. This, this is how much of a freak this guy is. But anyway, they were down four to two yesterday uh, to FC Dallas. Uh, and then this guy worked his magic. He scored two goals. He got an assist. They tied it up and then they go to PKs and he scored his penalty kick. But like everyone likes to see the free, free kick. So I, 
you know, I, I sent Ruben. I was like, Ruben, you got to show this. Ruben was like, no, I'm not going to show it. I don't show soccer on my show. <laughs> and I was like, dude, it's it's messy. And he said, okay. So Done. We, we showed we showed the first free kick of him winning the game. Here's another one. Quit quit giving him free kicks around the box because he's like he's ATM. He's automatic, man. Let's let's check some of this out. Anyway, so congratulations, Messi, and I'm pretty sure they've already just already given the championship trophy to Miami because obviously these guys, I mean, just him alone, he's just he's just a freak, and he's doing this like at 36 years old. Like, think if think if you had like in prime Messi, what he would be doing to this league because you have an over the hill Messi making us look like a bunch of like toddlers right now, and. It's awesome that I said it before. It's awesome that Messi is over here, but it's embarrassing that it's like you're wanting to build a <laughs> you you're trying to build a league and you're trying to tell like how how good this league can be and it's getting and you're being dominated by a 36 year old. So anyway, that that's that's, that's pretty funny. I mean, it, it's it's really incredible what he's doing, right? What'd you say? Seven goals on four games. In four in four games. Yep. I mean that's pretty incredible. Right. right. I mean, I, I think it, it, it goes to how good he is, right. but I think you, you're, you're saying it right that, you know, <laughs> M- MLS has touted itself as being able to get, you know, some of the best talent and he is just tearing people apart and you yeah. called it, you called it. When we first started talking about this, you, I asked you, I said, does Messi still got it? And you said, he is going to come over and tear them <laughs> apart. And you are correct. Dude, like, he is dominating right now. And it's good for dominating. the sport, right? Like, I, I'm not a soccer guy, right? But I'm a sports guy. And this is good yep. for sports, yep. right? This is very good for sports. If we can, you know, keep going and, and keep getting the hype up and, and he keeps performing at this level, I think it's good for sports all around. Yeah, no, a hundred percent is like you said. Like um, when you can sell an MLS game in ten minutes, that 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 says something, right? When your very first game over here, like LeBron, Serena Williams, Tom Brady, like like like, there's a picture saying the goats are here to watch the goat. Like LeBron's never been to a soccer game before. Like, are you kidding me? And he shows up for this. DJ Khaled is sitting on this on this on the benches with his little pillow over his feet. Like, come on, man. Like the 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 attraction this guy gets and the buzz like when the best people in the world that are, are used to people following them or following you you're doing something right you know and, and messi is definitely uh doing something right man so um well you know we we saw this this uh free kick i don't have the click but did you see the other free kick that happened over the last couple of days no with no, the, what, with what the u.s uh uh, U.S. women. Yes, yes. <laughs> we 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 did not tee up that video, but obviously uh, the U.S. women's national team uh, lost in the World Cup and and penalty kicks. And uh, you know, Megan Rapino, who has a great following, people love her. Uh, she missed she missed her penalty kick. 
Oh man, Ruben sense my sarcasm. She missed her penalty <laughs> kick. Um, and I mean, unfortunately, that's the the last kick she will ever have in a, a professional like you know landscape. You know, she's retiring from from soccer. You know, she's aged out basically. I think she's in her thirties. You know, in, in you know her last memories. You know, missing a penalty kick in the World Cup. So uh, that's unfortunate. You know, this is the earliest like the the women's national team have been out of the world cup like ever like we're the we were the favorite to win it we dominate yeah. every time and you know and we just we look like poo poo this time around so i mean this time well, for a change and and a lot of people say you know karma right you know a lot of things that this national team did was a lot different than the other national teams in the past and what they kind of stood up for and believed in and what they the opinions they voiced you know and you know you know we, we talk about it with uh you know, you made that point with basketball and football, and sometimes you gotta, you know, the main thing has to be the main thing, and they should have focused on playing soccer and not focused on, you know, equal pay and, you know, all the other stuff that they made more important than the sport. Well, I think it's the first time in United States history that the United States was happy when <laughs> when we lost. I've never yeah. seen so many people happy that she missed that kick. And yeah. I'm not going to lie. I was one of them. <laughs> I'm oh, so man. tired of her. Like I really am. And, and again, it ruins the sport. It yeah. ruins sports for me. Right. And I think it did it to a lot of people. Like Twitter is just blowing up with yeah. everybody just saying that is what you get. Right. Yeah. You you have been a thorn in everybody's side that likes soccer, that, that likes watching the sport. And if you're a you know women's soccer fan, we uh, we don't want to get fed this line 24 seven. Like we just want to watch you play and on you go. Right. Yeah. And it was just it was pretty funny. Some of the yeah. some of the stuff on Twitter Twitter was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> if but, if you if you ever need a good laugh, you just jump on Twitter for a little bit and, and, and read read some of this stuff. But you know, um, you know, I mean, she's she's had former teammates criticize the team and and her for like their performances and what's been going on. You know, unfortunately, she's probably cost the coach uh, his job, right? Because of, you know, underperforming and and sometimes as a coach, you know, you got to pick the players that make the best team and not the best player sometime, right? And you know leaving the distractions out might've made this team perform better. And I think she and a few other, uh, the girls on this team were a distraction and they, you know, they put the focus away from soccer. They put the focus on something else that shouldn't have been on. And unfortunately this is what you get. Well, yeah. I mean, she was the captain, right? She was the, the leader of the group. No, nah, she and... wasn't a captain, but cause she didn't start. Cause she, cause, but she was the leader of the group. Obviously she's the veteran, right? The she's leader, been there the for... leader of the group. Yeah. And she's more worried about her political stance than playing soccer. Right. And that doesn't, I mean, anybody that's played, you know, sports at a high level, like that person needs to be focused on sports, not their political side. And and I even watched a, a uh, interview with her after the game and, and they were like, well, what's, you know, something that you're most proud of. And she didn't say, you know, winning a world cup or anything. She was like, I'm happy with the message that we sent about equal pay. And right. it's just, I could just see people going, 
fuck off like goodness <laughs> gracious dude you know yeah. what i mean like that that's what you've done your career and you know i'm sorry to say it but it was a fitting end yeah well her she's not getting paid anymore because her career is over so <laughs> sorry megan rapino um but um i i do hope um the U.S. women national team—they rebound. I mean, they like like I said, Rodman's daughters on the team. They have a great core of young players coming up, and and hopefully they can refocus and 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 make what's important, you know, important. So we'll see. We shall see. Uh, what are we talking about? What are we moving on to? What are we moving on to? Oh, last thing, baseball. You know there, uh, you know there is. Um, there's a boxing match on, there was some big UFC this weekend. And so watching all of this, you know, and then the last highlight I saw was this baseball game guy slides in the second, you know, um, the guy that slid in didn't like how the second baseman kind of like stood over him a little bit. They had a couple words, a fight broke out, but probably out of the UFC fight and the boxing match, the best knockdown I saw this weekend was from baseball. Um, Tim Anderson of the White Sox and Jose Ramirez from the, the Cleveland Guardians, which sounds so weird to say, the Cleveland Indians, right? Um, they, they got into a little tuffle. It's hilarious to be because Tim Anderson got suspended for six games and he's the one that got knocked out. And the guy who, who knocked him out got only got suspended for three. So I'm like, well, you just lost twice, buddy. Good job. But uh, if we have this clip, man, let's, let's see if we can watch some of this. Oscar's throw is not in time. He just missed him at second base. This is another rocket of a throw, and now... Oh, boy. Now oh, my goodness. Goes. Here come the benches. Off we go. It started with Anderson and Ramirez. Swings being taken. Kopak had to hold him back, and everybody's spilling out here in Cleveland. Here's how this started on the throw to second base. Ramirez went in between the legs of Tim Anderson and Ramirez says get out of the way. Well then Ramirez points his finger in his face and that kind of started things. Dude. Dude. That <laughs> he took off his oh man how embarrassing is that you take off your gloves and put up the dukes and then get knocked out cold <laughs> like how embarrassing is that and then you wake up the next day to find out you got suspended twice as long as the other guy <laughs> oh my goodness that's what you uh, get man that's oh, what man. you get you Look, know this Hey, hold on. The city of Chicago just can't win, bro. <laughs> just catching L's everywhere. Oh, man. Golly, that's hilarious. That is funny. Dude, I mean, he, he did. I, I think uh, I think the the uh, player from Chicago, right? Tim, is it uh, Tim Anderson? Yeah. It looked yeah. Like, like he was the, the one that brought it from an argument to let's let's throw he, down he literally dropped his glove and just threw his hands up i'm like and then got oh my goodness that, that is too funny that too, is just too funny to me right <laughs> I, I i think everybody loves to see cocky people just get you know knocked out and now i yeah. mean there was one you know one cleveland player 
and like six White Sox player, and he still got knocked out. Still, still got him. Still got him. That is great. That is a great great. clip. Man, I I I saw that and I was like, man, I I gotta find a way to throw this in there. This I mean, this is. It was, it was just clean. Got him right on the temple, and he just went straight down, bro. Like Jeez, it was. Man. I mean, you. I mean, you played baseball, right? Did like, did you? Did, was there any brawls? Anything crazy ever happened when you played? No, not not in. Uh, not until you get up to the majors does this type of stuff happen, right? right? Because right. yeah, I mean, there's scuffles. I would say. Um, no nobody does that stuff no because i mean you gotta think we're in school right right yeah. like you get kicked out of school when you're in college right you can get your scholarships revoked there's just too right. much other stuff going on right yeah. i i think there's times that you want to mm. but you you don't do it because there's just major ramifications right um so, it's, but in major leagues, you get suspended six games and whatever, right? So it's not, if, there's not too much of a downside there. If you win, you get suspended three games. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what, if you're going to fight, it's you really win. That's, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. But after looking at that, you can see why, oh, right? Yeah, he like, the, he the was definitely the instigator. Yeah. Yeah. I could, but, I could definitely see that, but. If, if you're gonna throw that glove it. off, if you're gonna throw that glove off, bro, you better be able to fight. That's all I gotta say. Too funny, man. That I'm pretty so sure. Good. I'm pretty sure he was hoping like one of his teammates would have grabbed him and pulled him back by the time something went down. But well, I, I mean, again, you look at that video, man. There is, there's like five yeah. or six White Sox people there, but and he saw, still like, found a way. Like it's saw, still, it's like, mind boggling. Like, the umpire was like this, and then he was like, "Ready, break," and he just moved <laughs> off the way. <laughs> and um, let's get it on let's get it on and it happened knocked him the f out that's hilarious oh man but anyway that was uh something to, to end our little sports session with today um i hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we did uh, and that's how we got ruben back back to you man and our fun times all right well we're right at an hour 30 we're gonna wrap it up here uh, i appreciate yeah. everybody listening this is pj's podcast speaking of the three things that matter politics jesus and sports please like us on any social media platform other than tiktok um your comments your likes anything that you want us to to talk about please send it to us and we'll discuss it on the show but other than that Monty, i love you brother i'll see you in a couple right. days I want to hear from the White Sox fans. White, if you're a White Sox fan, you need to com- <laughs> com- com- comment to us. All right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Brooke. they could. They just. They just couldn't get one today, man. No, we, we were hating big knows. time on them. Yeah, that's yeah, all right are. though. Roof, love you, brother. I'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll get it soon. All right, buddy. Love you. All right, man. Love you. Everybody.